All right. Good morning, Providence. Uh, we are back for another morning in our series, and I cannot wait for the day that I get to see your faces here. And I, I pray that that day is, uh, is a few weeks away and that we'll be able to, to open the doors and uh, do all the things that we love here uh, together on Sunday mornings. But until that time, I'm going to be grateful for the opportunity that I still get to teach, that we still get to open God's Word together, uh, and that we can still have this time uh, to spend together. So I'm glad you guys are, are listening. I'm glad you guys are uh, still uh, holding strong and being a part uh, this morning. Uh, last week we began what I think is going to end up being a several week series looking at uh, the life of David because the life of David is just one set of curveballs after the other, one set of unexpected moments that continue to happen over and over and over. And this morning we're going to look at uh, maybe one of the most unexpected stories, even though it's one of the most f- familiar, maybe the most famous story in all of uh, scripture, and we're going to see how this was a very unexpected event uh, in the life of David, uh, at least unexpected to everyone that was watching and that was uh, a part of it uh, at one point, but I don't think it was really all that unexpected for David. I think I think for David, this, this went exactly according to the script he thought it was going to. We're going to look at David and Goliath. So we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And while you guys find your place there, I wonder if you guys have found yourself doing something uh, over the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months, uh, that you really don't do all that often. And now that you've had a chance, at least for some of us, for some of you, uh, to sit, to to step back just a little bit, uh, maybe you've had a chance to uh, do a few things that you normally wouldn't do. Maybe for uh, some of you, you've been cleaning more. Maybe some of you guys have worked 75 uh, puzzles over the last six weeks, and I, I don't get that. I don't, I don't really understand that one. But if that's your thing and you like the puzzles, then uh, that's great. Uh, maybe you've uh, fixed the, the squeaky door that your wife's been nagging about, or you fixed that leaky toilet. I, I don't know. Uh, what you've been doing, but we found ourselves doing things that we maybe wouldn't do. Maybe that's out of boredom, or maybe that's some sense of nostalgia. I don't know, but uh, Emily has always been fond of looking back on like family photo albums, looking back at, at pictures. She spent uh, tons of time creating the the, the slick uh, photo books that that that, uh, that we have now, instead of the old school like yellowed pictures behind the the cellophane or whatever. Uh, she's got all kinds of these books and. Over the last couple of weeks, Abby has started getting some of those out and started looking back and reminiscing on uh, when her and Isaiah got along and when they were like good friends and whenever uh, she thought Isaiah was cute instead of annoying. And so she's, she's been looking at those and we've been looking at those kind of old pictures and, uh, and looking through those. And uh, at some point when you start looking through those, you start remembering certain things and you start uh, kind of taking yourself back in time. And, you know, the, the saying goes that a picture's worth a thousand words. And in this context, when you're looking back on family photos, uh, there's some really great things that you find in there, some things that you can see, some memories that bring back, maybe some people that aren't uh, with us anymore. Uh, you're able to, to look back and remember them. You're, you're able to uh, remember maybe a time when your kids were a certain age and you're like, man, I just, I, that part had just somehow disappeared from my memory. I don't understand why. And you're, you're able to kind of remember those things. And a picture a picture can do a lot, and it's really, really helpful. And in this context, a snapshot is a good thing. But a picture, as great as it is, is also a very limited thing. A picture doesn't, doesn't tell you the whole story. It just gives you a glimpse into a moment of time. And it can tell you a lot, and it can do a lot for you. 
but it doesn't tell you everything. There's only so much. And so I asked my parents yesterday if they could send some pictures of me from whenever I was a kid uh, that could kind of illustrate this point. So go ahead and put some of those pictures up there. We'll start with the first one. Um, and hopefully uh, you guys are able to see this at home and this is, this is coming through uh, correctly. Uh, this is me when I was still cute uh, and, and had not reached awkward Tony stage. This is still cute Tony stage, uh, at least by my judgment. Um, I asked them to send me these pictures first and like all the pictures they sent me first was like, I'm not putting those on screen because that was definitely awkward Tony. So I said, send me some cute ones, which my mom said, I don't know if we have any of those. That was my own mom that said that. Uh, but anyways, they managed to find some of these. And so here's this one. I, I don't know how old I am in this picture, uh, eight, nine, ten, something like that. Clearly this is a birthday party and uh, I'm, I'm being a, a little bit shy for the picture, but I'm holding my cake up and uh, and, and ready, ready to dig in. Now, this this can tell me some. I probably know where this was taken. Uh, I probably know generally who was there in the room when this was taken. Uh, I, I can get a sense of the time frame and kind of what was going on then. So I can get a little bit of the story because I know the background. Uh, but I can't tell you everything that happened. I, I don't know what uh, what we had to eat that day. I don't know what I got for my birthday that year. I don't know what happened. Uh, you know, a couple of days after this, I just kind of know that moment, that that snapshot, uh, and we can kind of keep going through these. Go, go ahead and go to the next picture. So the next picture, uh, this is me whenever I was a, a little bit older, and apparently I was working on a mullet. I didn't know that I ever had that that phase, but apparently I did, and and one was was coming on there, and uh, so this is a good thing to be able to remember. I don't know where that was taken. I don't know. Uh, anything about that picture other than the fact that I had longer hair than I thought I did and, and, and was working on a solid, uh, solid hairdo there. So that's all I can tell you about that picture. It's very limited in what it can do. All right, let's keep on going. This picture here is uh, me with my sister. I bet my sister didn't know that this was going to show up on the internet today. Uh, but this is us together. Uh, I've got a solid tan line, which I've really had my whole life. I think that's probably from playing baseball there. Uh, and outside of that, I, I can tell you where that was taken, and uh, I can tell you, like I said, that's my sister that's there with me. We got the solid brown 80s carpet and the, the brown drapes behind it. Uh, so I can tell you that that's going on there, but again, outside of that, I don't know anything else about this. I don't know when it was. I don't know. I know that I had an awesome uh, choice of shorts that I was rolling with, uh, and outside of that, I, I, don't know, I don't know a lot about this picture. It tells me a piece of the picture but not the, the full picture. J just one more, I think, that we've got. That we got. All right, so this is some sports pictures. Uh, I was uh, playing football a little bit younger, a little bit older there, starting to enter Awkward Tony stage, and uh, with the, the glasses there for, for baseball. Um, I can tell you probably who was on those teams. I can probably tell you who was there for picture day, at least several. Uh, some of my good friends from when I was younger uh, I can tell you a little bit about those teams. I can tell you a little bit about how some of those seasons went. I can tell you how much fun I had or didn't have. I can tell you a little bit more about those by the context of the the season. But that's really about it. I, I can't tell you more than that. There is a limit to the snapshot. So I think I've, I've made my point here that I'm trying to, to get across. There's just a limit to what you can do with photos. There's a limit to what you can do uh, with, a, with a snapshot. As great as they are, they can only do so much. They capture a moment in time. A few years back, 
Apple added a feature to their uh, iPhones where you could do live photos, and it kind of gave you a second or two before the picture, a second or two after the picture, and you could kind of move the picture around, and you could kind of pick the perfect moment whenever the kid was actually looking at the camera instead of the, the, the normal shot that you got. So it helped a little bit. It also would have a little sound with it, and so it could give you a little context, you know, a second, a second and a half on either side of the photo. It can give you a little bit more context. It can tell you if the wind was blowing. It can tell you if, you know, the, 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 the child was running. It can tell you some of those things and give you a little more context. And so that was a little bit uh, better. And that helps uh, quite a bit, but it's still a, a limited thing. Now, you can go to movies. Movies, uh, they go a lot further. They'll give you a snapshot of a story, but then they'll give you the, the backstory around it. They'll tell you how that moment came to be. They'll tell you what came before, what comes after, and they'll, they can build everything around that snapshot. So movies really expose a much richer explanation of what's happening. It gives you more context than a snapshot and even more context than the live photo that Apple gives. Uh, but even movies are limited because they still can't tell the full story. Because there's so much that goes into a moment that you can't even put on camera necessarily. There's just so much that goes into a a moment. You can watch a a war movie and you can get a sense of the story that you're following, but you don't know the backstory of how the war began. You don't know the backstory of what the generals were talking about that led to this moment that you're watching on the movie. You can see some, but you still don't see the whole picture. And so what I want to to draw out is that as as hard as it may be for us, it's important that we know as much of the full story of a moment as we can. Even if it takes hours or, or days or years to know the full story, the more of the story you know, the richer the snapshot will be. And I hope that that makes sense. And it's important for us to work hard to know our stories. And here's the thing. The older I get, the longer I've been married, the longer I'm a dad, the longer I'm a pastor and I I work with people and I see people and and I deal with suffering in my own life, suffering in other people's lives, and I I see how things uh, work, I'm more and more convinced, and the more I study Scripture even, I am more and more convinced that Satan desperately wants us to see the world in a series of snapshots. He doesn't want context. He doesn't want full story. He wants, he wants moments. He wants us to see our past. He wants us to even see our future. And he wants us to see our moment right now in just that, in a, an isolated moment. And if he can get you to see your past in a series of isolated moments, or he can get you to look at this world now as an isolated moment, then he has a chance to win the battle for your heart, and he has a chance to win the battle for your mind. But when the full story gets told, he doesn't stand a chance at all. So this morning, I'm going to use that that kind of framework to tell this, what may be the most famous story in all of Scripture, David and Goliath. 
Last week, we, we learned about King Saul, how King Saul was the, uh, the epitome of everything for Israel. He was, uh, you know, he was taller than everyone else. He was stronger than everyone else. He was everything you would want out of central casting for a king. He was the, the perfect uh, choice, and, 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 and he seemed to be the right first choice for Israel's king. And, and what we see is that he wins battles. He leads the people, but he doesn't. He doesn't quite live up to the billing of what he should have. Because he wins the battle, but then he begins to kind of fudge the rules that God sets before him. You can read that earlier in 1 Samuel. He kind of, he kind of wins it on his own terms, not the terms that God set for them. He wins battles, but he doesn't complete the task that God has given for him. He tries to cover for himself, and, and Samuel the priest will have none of it. It's, it's part of what leads to the, the rebuke of Saul, the removal of his, his uh, uh, anointing as king, and the anointing that would then come to David. We saw this uh, last week. And so as a result of uh, Saul's uh, disobedience, uh, Samuel tells Saul, you're not going to be king forever, and he becomes rejected. And that's what we saw last week. And that's where our snapshot begins to develop in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4 is where we're going to start. And this great king, bigger and stronger than anyone in Israel, is terrified of something. He's terrified of something even bigger and even greater than him. He's terrified of this guy named Goliath. Goliath is the champion of the Philistine people. He is the one that kind of goes out before them, kind of their representative of war. And he comes out and he says, if you can beat me, you can have the rest of us, but you can't beat me. And he does this over and over and over. Let's read this in verse 4. I think it's worth reading here in 1 Samuel 17 verse 4. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of his coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs, and a javelin, uh, and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spear's head weighed six hundred shekels of iron and his shield bear went before him and he stood and he shouted to the ranks of israel why have you come out to draw up for battle am i not a philistine and are you not servants of saul choose a man for yourselves let him come down to me if he is able to fight with me and kill me then we will be your servants but if i prevail against him and kill him then you will be our servants and serve us and the philistine said I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. Man, that's intense. That is some epic uh, uh, smack talk there that Goliath brings out there. He says, bring me your best and I will kill him. Nobody can hold a candle to me. I will stand here until you bring a challenger to me and you won't because he will lose. Bring it on Israel. And he does this day after day after day, week after week after week. He comes out and he says, come on guys, let's go. This Goliath is mammoth. I don't think we fully understand just how big he was. The, the best we can, we can gather by what's listed here is he was probably nine foot nine inches tall. Nine foot nine. He doesn't even have to jump to hit his head on the rim. He's just got to kind of like look up. 
Kentucky would pay a ton for a player like that. And that's, that's just kind of the, the way they roll. They, they would love to have him. He is uh, he's strong. His armor weighs more than most of the Israelites that he would, he would taunt. And he is their champion. A champion is this picture of this guy that would kind of go forward and be the representative for the Philistine people. And they had full confidence in their champion. They're like, yeah, absolutely, Goliath, you go. Because you got a better chance of whipping whatever guy they bring than we do if we all fight. So that's a deal I'm willing to make. Goliath, you win, then we win. That's the way it's going to roll. And so who's Israel's champion? Well, by all accounts, it should be Saul. Saul should be the guy that goes forward. That's, after all, why he was chosen as king, because he should be able to win battles like this. But where is the biggest, the strongest, the best that Israel has to offer? He's over in the corner, cowering, scared to death of this guy, Goliath. Goliath didn't just intimidate the people of Israel. He taunted them. He stood up to the nation of Israel, this nation that was supposed to be relying on God, and says, you can't touch me. He taunted them. Didn't matter who their God was because he was Goliath. He defied the armies of Israel. He blasphemed their God, and he did it laughing in their face. This was Goliath. This is the first snapshot I want you to see today. The first picture that we're given and it is the snapshot that rules so many of our lives you know if a story's or if a picture's worth a thousand words what this one says is run away be afraid you're going to lose you're going to fail it says problems are much bigger than your ability to solve them it says don't even try just quit it says you should probably live your life in constant fear. Now, I don't know what what that looks like for you. It probably doesn't look like a nine foot, nine inch giant in front of you, but it probably looks like something even bigger. Maybe Maybe it is fear. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's this virus. Maybe it's you fill in the blank. What is it for you that, 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 that kind of stands in opposition of you, towering over you? What is it that does that for you? What is it that comes before you that taunts you and that says, you can't beat me? What is that thing for you or what are those things for you? that comes before you and says, I don't care who your God is, I know who I am, and I'm going to rule this world, and I'm going to rule your world. I think for most of us, we have something like that. I think for most of us, we have that somewhere in our hearts that says, don't even try, just give up before you get out of bed, you can't beat this. When I say Satan wants us to live in snapshots, this is what I mean. He wants to limit your vantage point to this moment. He wants to limit the nation of Israel, their vantage point to this moment, where they're terrified by this giant that is in front of them that would almost certainly crush them. And he wants you to live in the same place where this giant sits in front of you and would almost certainly crush you where you left on your own. 
Goliath did this over and over for days, for weeks. And for some of you guys, you've been dealing with the same giant monster in front of you days and weeks and months and years and for maybe most of your life. Your Goliath screams to you, you are weak and you should just quit. You are hopeless and you will fail. Satan wants to keep you in that snapshot, that very moment. He doesn't want you to see the movie because the movie's good. And he certainly doesn't want you to know the whole story because it's even better. But this is how he operates. Don't look elsewhere. Don't look up. Don't look to your side. Don't look to the past. Just look to this moment where the giant towers over you and you cradle in fear because of what's in front of you. Just just live in the snapshot. You don't need any more context than that. But the great thing is, we have a little bit more. So let's get a little bit more context to this snapshot. Kind of the, the, the live photo, Apple's version of this snapshot that gives you just a couple seconds before, a couple seconds after, lets you see this snapshot in motion just a little bit. It so happens that, that as Goliath taunts Israel, that, David, that the future king of Israel, David, was coming to, to, to bring supplies to the front line to his brothers. He was still tending sheep back home, but he was, coming, he was still in service to Saul. He hadn't assumed his position as king yet. So he was bringing supplies to the front line to his brothers, bringing them lunch and saying, here you go, guys, take care, hope all goes well. And while he's there, he sees this happening with Goliath. He sees what's going on, and he, he, he becomes indignant. He's confused. He doesn't understand. You, you see, David sees an enemy of Israel's God as someone who needs to be taken out, as someone who needs to be removed, as someone who needs to be uh, put out of the way. But the, the rest of Israel sees him as someone to be feared. He's he, he doesn't just see this guy as somebody that needs to be taken out. He's offended that Israel is letting this guy taunt not just the people and the army of Israel, but taunt God himself. And so we'll come back uh, to a few other things that happen here in just this little part in just a few, few minutes. But, but let's skip on down to, to the good part. So David's mad. He's indignant. He says, this shouldn't be happening. I, I'm going to do something about it. So let's skip down to verse 41 of chapter 17. Verse 41 of chapter 17. The good part of this story. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. So they're going to go at it. David accepts the challenge and and Saul says, go for it. Maybe Saul's just hoping that David will get killed. He says, go for it. Uh, And and, uh, David comes forward. He says, let's fight. Verse 42, and when the Philistine looked down and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Man, he's talking smack. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. I would love to see somebody like 
taunt LeBron with that in a game. I think that would be fantastic. Like, come on, let's go. I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds. That's what Goliath says to David. And then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This is good smack talk. I like it. They're going back and forth with one another. I can get behind this. I can watch this. This is entertaining. And I will give the dead bodies of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. And when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. So basically Goliath said, enough talking, I'm going to shut your mouth now. So he comes at him and David is ready. And David put his hand in his bag and he took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and he struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his own sword and he drew it out of his sheath, took Goliath's own sword, took it out of the sheath, killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. I bet they did. That would have been terrifying for them that David, this little kid, would come up and take out Goliath's own sword and finish him. That story is powerful. I that is entertaining as as can be. It is a great story. And of course, the hero wins. Our hero wins. Goliath goes down. Woohoo! We, 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 we're, we're celebrating. We're excited. It is a powerful picture. And this is snapshot number two. But here's the twist. Satan's totally okay with you seeing this snapshot too. He'd rather you live in number one, but he's really okay with you living in number two. He's totally okay with both of them. And let me tell you why. You see, if we just see this snapshot, we can assume that David beats Goliath because David is brave, because David uh, is really good with with long-range weapons, and because he didn't have to do hand-to-hand combat with Goliath. So congrats to you, David. You are smarter and you are brave. And and we we can put it all on David and we can say, well done, David. And the message that we can receive from that snapshot, if that's all we see, is we need to be brave like David. We need to be smart like David. We need to not be afraid like David. And the message that we can give from that is go be brave, go go fight fear, take down the Goliath in your life. Whatever that Goliath is, just take it down, go be brave. And can I tell you, Satan is totally okay if you go do that. He's totally on board with that. If you want to go fight in your own power, that's fine with him. That snapshot works too. Snapshot one, snapshot two, limited to their, con- or to their the, all you can see in that moment, Satan's okay with both of them. He's all right with you being completely defeated, and he's all right with you being victorious so long as you're victorious in your own strength. Both are okay. So where do you sit this morning? Do you sit there defeated this morning? Or do you sit there feeling pretty good? Feeling like you're kind of, You're weathering this thing. You're moving through this thing. You can see how life's going to be good, going to be rolling once you get going again. You got your stimulus checks, so you're doing all right. Where are you at? 
you feel like you're, you're killing it, you feel like you're, 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 you're doing it great, and you feel like, you know what, I'm doing this great because I'm pretty great, because I'm smart, because I'm not living in fear. You know, that can be one of the things that can happen right now with all this virus stuff. We can be like, I'm not afraid, so I'm better than you. Well, you know what, that's not, that's not particularly helpful either. You know what, maybe you're not afraid. That's, that's great, that's fine. Maybe you are. I'm not sure where you sit this morning, but Satan's totally okay with either one of them. He's all right with you totally feeling full of yourself, and he's all right totally for you being completely defeated and emptying yourself too. Both are completely okay. Whatever he can do to get you to focus on the snapshot is to his advantage. To just know the picture. He's fine with that. Both of these pictures, though, if all you see is the picture, can tell really ugly lies. Because both pictures don't tell the full story. The full story, the, the, the movie version, is so much better. So let's get a little bit of a fuller context, kind of like the, the backstory to the snapshots for the movie. After David had seen Goliath taunt Israel, he knew he had to step in. Not because he was brave, but because of something so much bigger than him. Because God is going to be faithful. So now let's read 33 through 37. So back up just a little bit. I, or, uh, sorry, First uh, Samuel 17, verse 33. And Saul said to David, David had gone to Saul saying, Hey, will you let me go fight this guy? And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. So you don't have a chance, David. Don't do it. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and I struck him and I delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and I struck him and I killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So, so David comes to Saul and this is where the story is really good. He says, the same God that delivered me from the lions and let me kill the lions the same, the same God that came with me whenever I killed the bears, that same God then is the same God today. And David doesn't say, I'm going to kill David because I am strong enough to kill a lion, or I'm going to kill Goliath because I'm strong enough to kill a lion. I'm going to kill Goliath because I'm strong enough to kill a bear. He doesn't say that. He says, I'm going to kill Goliath because God was faithful then and God's going to be faithful in the future. I trust what God's going to do. I have no doubt that God will take care of me. He doesn't say, I'm brave, I'm strong, I'm smarter, I'm better. He says, God is bigger, God is stronger, God is faithful, and that is who I will 
trust. Friend, for you this morning, I urge you to look to David as an example, not because of his bravery, not because of his cunning or his smarts or his strategy. I urge you to look to David because of his humility, because he didn't say he was great. He said God was great and God would take care of Goliath. That is the fuller movie that you get to see. You are the chief enemy of yourself. Do not trust yourself in this battle. Trust God in this battle. Whatever that, that Goliath is that stands before you, whatever that thing is before you, trust God in that and you rely on him and he will be faithful. And you say, well, I, I understand that, but I've not killed any lions. In fact, I can look back in my past and what I can see is lions have devoured me at every turn. I've not killed any bears. I've not come anywhere close to that. I get, I get tripped up whenever my, my kids are having a bad morning and that ruins my whole day. That's not a lion. That's like a tiny little thing. I, when I have a bad hair day, I'm, I'm off the rails. Like I, that, that, I can't even fathom killing a lion. It's fine. You don't have to go back to killing a lion. You don't have to go back to killing a bear. All you've got to do is you've got to go back to Scripture. Now, you can go back to times where God has been faithful in your life, and I'm sure if each one of you were to sit down and talk about those and to walk through those with somebody, you could rattle them off on times where you had a Goliath in your life and God was faithful and came through. But even if you can't seem to find any of those things, but I'm, I'm convinced you can, but even if you can't, This is where it pays off to get an even fuller picture, an even bigger picture than than the the movie scene. You see, the, the, the movie tells the full story of why David beats Goliath, and that's good. But what I want you to know is the full story, and that's even better. I mean, the movie's good. It was entertaining. The hero won. I like that. The hero won because he trusted God. I like that even more. But man, the story gets even better. God is all about showing up for you so long as you are dependent on him. That is what God is working towards in your life. is to get you to trust him and to see how he has been faithful. David shows complete faith in God, takes on Goliath, delivers the nation of Israel from this intimidation, this bullying, and this virtual captivity. But this is where the story gets even better and the fuller story gets told. This goes from being the movie to the greatest story that has ever been told. And this is what God wants us to see this morning. This morning, Satan works in snapshots. God works in the story of our lives, the story of his people, and the story that he has been writing even to this day. You see, the story of David and Goliath is a snapshot of an ever-unfolding story of God's redemption. This is the story he wants us to tell. Not how brave we are and how def- or how defeated we are, but how great he is. And how much hope we have because of it. Look at what's going on here. The man of God, David, is taking on the enemy of God, Goliath, while drawing strength and faith from God. So let me say that again. The man of God is taking on the enemy of God while drawing strength and faith from God. He is defeating the enemy of God so that God's people would be liberated and they would be set free from the, God's enemy's tyranny. 
That's what's happening here. And this is exactly what Jesus did for us on the cross. Jesus took on Satan and sin, the enemy of God. He took them on in the strength and in God's sustaining power. He takes them on, he wins, he eliminates them, and he rises from the grave, the conquering Christ. And in doing so, he provides all those who will trust in him with freedom from the tyranny of God's enemy. That's what David did in a small picture. It's what Jesus did in a massive, fuller picture. It's the story of redemption. It's the story of the Bible. Colossians chapter 2 gives us the even bigger story. So, so we've, we've, we've started with a couple of snapshots. We've expanded a little bit to the, the live photo. We've expanded a little bit more to the full movie. And every time we expand, we see a little bit fuller picture of how great God is. And the more we keep expanding, the greater God gets. And I think Colossians chapter 2 sums it up for us nicely. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of our debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities, and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Goliath was put to open shame. The Philistine army fled in terror. Our sin, our rebellion, all of it nailed to the cross. And God's enemy, Satan, put to open shame as Christ rises from the grave, conquering death and conquering Satan. Time and time and time again, we see pointers in the Old Testament like this, snapshots in the Old Testament that that really are trying to point us to a much bigger story. The whole thing is about Jesus. It's all about him and his redemption and how he came for us and how God is great and gracious for it and he deserves to be praised. That is the story. That's the fuller picture. And this morning, I want you to know that story, but I want you to experience that story, to know what it means to be redeemed, to know what it means to be forgiven, to know what it means to have, to have victory over whatever Goliath is in your life. Maybe, maybe Goliath for you is a sin that has just whipped you. Maybe Goliath for you is a fear that has crippled you. Maybe it's a bank account that has enslaved you. I want you to have victory over all of that, but that victory is not in your own strength, and that victory is ultimately not because of you. The much bigger victory to be won. The much bigger victory to celebrate is the one where Christ overwhelms our sin with his grace. That's the bigger story. That's the fuller picture. Don't be captivated by the moment you're in right now. Don't be captivated, captivated by the, the snapshots in your past that are failures after failures. Don't limit your scope to those pictures. Don't be cocky and self-assured either as you recount your past glories of how wonderful you are. 
Satan would love it if we lived in snapshots. Our failure, our sin, our slip-ups, our pride, our vanity, our worst moments, just replaying like slideshows in our head. He's fine with that. But God's telling a bigger and a better story, a story about a hero, a story about a victory. It just so happens to be a story about our redemption too. Tell Satan to turn the next page on that snapshot when he throws it in your face. Tell Satan, yes, absolutely, that's a rough-looking snapshot. I wish it wasn't part of my family album. I wish it wasn't part of my, my history, my album in the past. But you know what? I know a bigger story, and the story is way bigger than that snapshot. It doesn't stop there. I don't care how bad your snapshots are. God's story is, be- is, is better. And I don't care how great and wonderful your highlight reel is either. God is bigger and better than all of it. You'll never be big enough and good enough to where you don't need him. And you'll never be bad enough to where he can't save you. That's the story he's telling That's the story the cross tells. And it's the story we celebrate here today. So look back in your life and see where God has been faithful. Sing about those, recount those, tell stories about those. But remember the ultimate picture of a God who sent his son to the cross. And if God would send his son to the cross, will he not also give us good things? Romans 8. That's the story we celebrate. That's what we love. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for the bigger story. Thank you that my story is not written by my failed slideshow reel. Thank you that my story is not written by my highlight reel. That my my highs are limited to how great I can be. Father, thank you that that my life, my heart is anchored in you because you said I'm bigger than your failures and I'm way bigger than your successes. And that if I would come to you and I would turn from those failures, I would turn from that sin, I could be a part of that story that you're telling. Father, I pray for all those who wake up every day with Goliath staring them in their face, taunting them. Father, I pray that that snapshot would not define them. But that as Goliath taunts, and as he runs his mouth, and as he defies you, that we would run to the bigger story of redemption. We would run to the bigger story that you are telling. And we would find our hope and our strength and our truth. We would find you there. And that we would slay Goliath in your strength. And it's in Christ's name we pray.